Well, hello, Econet Nation. Welcome to another edition of The Hot Seat. I am David Cole, eCardingNews.com. Today we are in the at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati Cartplex in Batavia, Ohio. So when you come to the state of down south, as I have today and this weekend, uh, it's good to get some uh, local celebrities and uh, and a fixture of our sport for many decades. Uh, and we have Randy Kugler sitting across from me here to uh, to kind of go into uh, a Q and A and uh, talk about the past, the present, and, and maybe a little bit about the future as well. Just Maybe not Ohio State, Michigan football, right? Go box. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, Randy. It's uh, it's you know we have a we've had a long relationship, so we've 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 seen a lot of things together. But there's a lot of stuff that that you have in your memory bank that regarding this sport. Let's let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about how you got involved in the sport of karting. My brother was racing something called a track rabbit back in the late 1950s. Okay, and that was. A primitive go-kart it had a roll cage seat belts the whole deal and my dad found out about it and said well you're not going to do that unless I'm involved so I know it's safe okay so one thing led to another they're racing a dirt track uh, in our town and my dad got in this big argument with the guy that was running the dirt track and so the guy said you know if you know so much George just build your own track so he did and about a year later uh, at that point, it was Linden Valley Raceway was formed in Port Washington, Ohio, then became Cougar Raceway Park for a brief time, Tackett Raceway and now Atkins Raceway, yeah. uh, run by Brandon Atkins and, and Jamie Wentz. So uh, through, that, through that evolution, I got involved, I think around 62 or 63, I raced a quarter midget for about a year. Then I get into carts. And one thing my dad did for me was probably the best thing, because I had, a, you know, it's you had to look in the archives to find it, but I had some success racing go-karts. <laughs> but he said to me, before we did a, well, we, we did a P-Pick at our track, okay. and our junior class always had 10 to 15 in it, and he said, before you do the P-Pick, you're going to start from the rear. When you win your first race, you can do the P-Pick. So about mid-season, I won my first race. But it taught me to get through the pack. It taught me to pass. It taught me to be patient. It taught me not to go in over my head and crash somebody. And it paid off. Uh, I started racing uh, nationally in 67 at Riverside, went upside down at Riverside. <laughs> like Riverside, California. Riverside, California. Yeah. For the so ICAP a long Nationals. way from home. Long way from home. Yeah. And back then, only a few people would go out there because it, you know, nobody flew back then. I mean, there was airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, no, but everybody trekked out there. So, uh, but I, I ran Barnesville that year and got fifth. And then in 69, I won Barnesville. That's my, my glory. That and I, and I got third at Camden at the Nationals. So that was kind of my peak. I raced some in, uh, in the early WK years in B Limited, raced against the Ken Burdens and the Junior Neals, and, and uh, uh, just, just had a lot, of, a lot of fun racing, but got more involved in starting a family. And so got a little bit away from it, but never too far away as my dad was president of WK, so administratively, I would help him sometimes. He'd bounce some ideas off of me, and you know, I, I started serving on the board, and then in 94, he passed away, and that's when I started with uh, really, really knee-deep into WK. And the whole, and WK's foundation is here in Ohio. That's, that's one thing a lot of people don't know. They recognize it in North Carolina, but you have to go back to the beginning. I believe in 1971, was it, it was at G&J Cartway, and there was a tech dispute 
people from IKF overturned the tech people that were here at the at there at the racetrack. So Ohio is a big part of karting's history, really. Absolutely. I, you know, back then it was all IKF. Yeah. And true or not, there was a strong belief that IKF didn't care about anybody east of the Mississippi. I'm not so sure that was the case, but the bottom line is the board presence was primarily West Coast. Mm -hmm. It wasn't geographic and the membership truly wasn't geographic. It was mostly West Coast. So uh, they had the Nationals at Camden and there's two or three things. It was like the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. My dad, uh, Dick Wilson, which at the time ran Barnesville, Bob Jeffries, which was a real heavy hitter in the industry. They called him Big J, but he built Lancer carts and he built a really quick motor. I got together and said, we've had enough. So they had a meeting. So that happened in Camden. So they had a meeting actually in Toledo, Ohio, at the old Crescent Raceway. And then um, they got a few guys together and, and raised some money. Had another meeting at uh, what was then Cougar Raceway. And this would have been late 1971. And uh, with the help of Ron Withrow, which has passed the last year, uh, they started uh, the World Karting Association. And, and, and I, I always say to people when they ask about what really got WK going, you know, my dad was an integral part. There's no question about it. But there were two people that made, I think, that made WK in the beginning, Dick Wilson and Ben Ray Griffith. Road race, or back then we mm -hmm. called it enduros, and sprint racing. Yeah. And Dick Wilson said, I've had enough. Barnesville is going to be WKA. And Barnesville was it. Barnesville would outdraw the Nationals, Yeah. the Barnesville Winter Nationals. So it was a WK race. And their first race, they had 450 carts. Imagine that for the first in, race for an organization. In the 70s, yeah. Ben Ray Griffiths said, I've had enough of IKF. WK is going to be my race at Danville, which is now VIR, like 500 entries at Danville. So picture this. The first two events that WK ever holds combined have nearly 1,000 entries. There's memberships. There's entry fee income. There's, uh, you know, there's pit pass sales. There's sponsorships jumping on board. And it just kind of grew from there. And with the, I would say maybe three to four years, we were bigger than IKF. And it, and it kind of grew from there. So you said not all tracks on the on the eastern side of half were with IKF. What did they do before WK? Just their own thing. So it was yeah. kind of a wild, wild well, west. It was. Way, I mean, I shouldn't. I shouldn't really say there wasn't any because Ohio had a presence. We were an IKF track in Port Washington. Fremont, I think, was an IKF track. Camden right. Was an there IKF were a lot track. of yes. Even Goodwood. Uh, New York was, was solid. Goodwood, Goodwood was Canada, IKF. As right. Well. Yeah. There was a few in the south, but there was a lot of just doing their own doing thing. their own thing. Yeah, and so I think. At the time, WK brought structure and relevancy to a lot of those tracks that needed someone to care about them. And they were convinced IKF didn't care about them. And WK did. And my dad made a point of that. In his life, he made sure that if, if you ever met my dad, you would leave there going, you know what, George, listen to me. You know, I think he really cares. And I'm not saying he didn't, but he had that way about him that he made sure you knew that he was listening to what you were saying. He'd try to do something about it. And that's kind of the way WK grew is we do care about you. We care about the tracks. And something that, not to get off on a tangent, but really bothers me today. I mean, the, the, this weekend is unbelievable. This, the, the USPKS is just huge, fantastic. But never, ever, ever can we forget about what starts all this. Right. It's the Pro-Am series here at Cincinnati. It's the OVKA. You know, it's KRA in Newcastle. And I just hope that there's always enough focus from the sponsors and really from some type of a national structure to say, we do care about those clubs and those tracks, and we need to do whatever we can to make sure they stay headed in the right direction. And, that, and that's really where WK grew was, was the grassroots. 
It was, you know, they looked after the racetracks because, and that's big even now today is, is people want to be taken care of, uh, in a polite and manner way and not just looked at as, uh, an income for, for something. Right. Um, that, and you know, it, and it seems like it was more rule structure. Would you, would you say back then, like in the seventies, it was more about having standardized rule structure where in insurance part of it was a big part of WK because they helped insured racetracks and made sure things were safe because when you go from the 70s to 80s and the 80s to 90s there's a lot of litigations going on and things like that so it seemed like WK was a big part of making sure tracks did things safely and 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 still in that polite manner way yes the the WK rule book became the baseline for class structure, rule structure, tech, race procedures mm -hmm. uh, throughout, I would say, easily the eastern half of the United States and sometimes west of the Mississippi. And still kind of the backbone of some of the rule structures we still have today. I think a lot of, a lot of what you see today in rule structure is a byproduct of that WK rule book right. from back in the day. And all they've done is taken it and expanded on it and made kind of a hybrid to fit their own situation. Mm -hmm. We actually had a, uh, i never forget it, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to break any uh, confidentiality rules. I'll keep it general. But we had a situation uh, back, you know, probably in the 90s, where there was a track using our rule book. And this happened a lot. And it made us nervous, not because we were better than them, but if you're going to use our rule book, support the organization. Don't just use our rule book. Well, they weren't doing that. So something happened, and there was a part failure. And the part failure was a rule that, was in the WK rulebook, and to make a long story short, they said, hey, you can use this part. And so there was a, there was a serious injury, and we got sued. Mm -hmm. I said, wait a second. That, that wasn't a WK track. Well, you're the standard. Well, where does it say we're the standard? So we won the litigation, but it, it kind of drove us more and more to, and, and sometimes we really got a lot of grief for it, is with all due respect, if you're going to use our rulebook, support the organization, become a WK master track, follow our insurance guidelines, use our insurance passes, and, and let's all be one big happy family where we support each other. And then you've got full access to us for anything you need, whether it's question on rules, whether you've got, you need one of our officials to come to a big event, fine, no problem, we'll do that. And, and to a large degree, we got that done. But there's a, it was always a case where somebody would say, oh, yeah, we use your rules. Do you really? So you bought a rule book? Okay, great. <laughs> that was $40. That was, yeah. Not even that back then. It was 10 I think. Probably. <laughs> we pause this show for a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more here on the EKN Radio Network. Made in the USA. That's exactly what you get from Precision Carding Technologies. Based in Detroit, Michigan, PKT brings over 35 years of manufacturing experience to the sport of karting. Their passion for the sport began focusing around the kid kart platform and has expanded every year with hundreds of products designed to put you on the podium. Precision Carding Technologies is known around North America for their successful line of axles available in all age groups. PKT manufactures a number of engine products for Comer, IAMI, Rock, Rotax, and the popular Briggs & Stratton 206. A wide variety of chassis components for the many brands in the sport are available through PKT, including hubs, pedal risers, skid plates, and other hardware for your cart. 
Axle straightening, chassis adjustments, engine service, and specific CNC machining projects are available through their Motor City headquarters. To learn more about the many products and services available from Precision Karting Technologies, head to pktaxles.com. Fast, fair, and fun. Ignite Karting offers you all of that at an affordable price. Ignite Karting utilizes the spec Margay Ignite K3 with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine and a Hoosier R80 tire. Everyone in the junior, senior, and master's classes compete on the same Ignite K3 chassis, which puts all the emphasis squarely on driver development. Additionally, Ignite Karting is accessible at the local, regional, and national level. Special events for the 2023 season include the Ignite Majors, which begins with the annual trip to the Daytona International Speedway as part of the WKA Daytona Kart Week as part of both the sprint and road racing events. Those in the Midwest can enjoy the regionally based Ignite Challenge, which just finished up a record-setting season in 2022. Local club programs have also been established in other states all across the country, from Idaho to Texas, Nebraska to New York, with more tracks and clubs joining the Ignite Karting program. Be part of fast fun and great memories with Margay Racing at an Ignite track near you. All information on Ignite events and Ignite Kart packages, including dealers in your area, are available at ignitekarting.com. Get off the couch and out onto the track in 2023. Ignite Karting, fuel your passion. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store, and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services, and is home to innovative engine works by FMS, our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Thank you for listening to the EKN Radio Network. We now join the show already in progress. It, that, so what do you what do you think has been was the biggest change from say the 80s 90s to maybe today i mean we're talking 30 40 years yeah. so there's a lot of stuff that's happened but what do you think are kind of the, some of the biggest changes that we've seen happen from that time to now you know some people will tell you jeff gordon yeah they'll, they'll say the jeff gordon syndrome took hold and and he was and there was a lot of cases like this tony stewart kind of like this but you know the jeff gordon syndrome is he came through the ranks so quickly and so young and 
I think he might have raced go-karts a little bit. He spent a lot of time in quarter midgets, but he was in a midget race in Winchester on Thursday Night Thunder, like at 14 or something, right. right? Yeah. And, of course, we all know what happened to Jeff Gordon. He's one of the greatest drivers of all time in NASCAR. So a lot of people, and I, I kind of think that a little bit, is people think, geez, you know what? Uh, I, I think my kid, he's got some talent. He, he could be the next Jeff Gordon. So almost like the Max Verstappen type scenario. If to bring it to there's today's. only one Jeff Gordon, there's only one Max Verstappen, and, and, yeah. and everybody here this weekend. And there's some great kids, some great families, and some really good drivers. Right. But the bottom line is it not it isn't just about talent. It's about creating the opportunities, having the right doors open, saying the right things at the right time. Those things all have to fall into place, and a little bit of patience. It's not just going to happen, and a lot of work. And without that, uh, you know, you enjoy carding because that may be the only thing you do or you're going to burn out doing something else. That, and that's one thing I've noticed because we're having drivers start so young is we're starting to see families burn out before they even get to be juniors sometimes. And, and that's kind of the, the part I struggle with is, is that, that time of carding should be more about fun than anything. And then once you get to be a junior, that's when you should either take it serious or look at it as this is either going to be a lifestyle or a hobby activity. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that enough. And, but it's hard to say to a parent, you know, hey, your kid's not Jeff Gordon, your kid's not Max Verstappen, let's just have fun and see where it goes. Because, you know, you see it in all other sports. You see it in baseball, you see it in football, you see it in basketball. Parents kind of over, overdrive everything or, or overdo it with, with what they do, and then the kid kind of just falls out of love with it. And I think maybe what people need to realize, what parents need to realize is Ryan Norberg isn't a failure because he's still in karting. He's a dude. Yeah. Ryan Norberg can get it done. And I would, I would stick anybody in motor racing in that cart next to Ryan Norberg and, and they'll see his rear bumper most of the race. So that's a good name to bring up. Where would you kind of rank him among karting drivers of, of, for, for the entire you know, span of the sport here in the United States? Because... You look at the success that he's had, it's, it's, it's numerous, and it's not like he's, uh, he's doing against nobodies or you know, has-beens. He's doing against strong drivers year after year after year. What, where do you think he ranks among the – because you look at – okay, that's a good example. Who would you put as a top three ever in the sport of karting in the United States? You know, I, and I hope to start it again after I retire, <laughs> but I did a podcast for about a year. Right. And I had Michael McDowell on. Right. Awesome podcast. Yeah. Talked to him right after he did the Daytona five, one of the Daytona 500. Had Lake Speed on. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of karting personalities. Yeah. I had well, Lake, there's personalities and then there's drivers. Yeah. So I'm kind of asking well, the driver side of things. But, but, but I'm, I'm getting to your <laughs> answer. I'm getting to the point. Yeah. But I had Lynn Haddock on. Yeah. Of all the names I've mentioned, two to one, who do you think had the most views? I'll well, answer it for you, Lynn it's, Haddock. It's, it's probably Lynn Haddock, yeah. So, without question, total package, Lynn Haddock. Yeah. Knowledge, success, uh, just the, it, I think to some degree, even the personality. Lynn mm-hmm. is Lynn. Um, when I watch the shifter cart races in USPKS and I watch Ryan, it's not, what, I'm not impressed when he wins by a half a straightaway. I'm impressed when he gets knocked off the track and comes back and wins by a half a straightaway. That's patience, and mm-hmm. not everybody has that. So I would rate him right up there. In modern day, I think you've got to look at Ryan Norberg as one of the best. Well, yeah, with, with probably yeah. over the last 10 years, probably among the best. Right. I think Brandon Jarzakrak is there as yeah. well. 
Um, you, you look at the shifter ranks. I mean, you got Danny Formal, you got uh, AJ Myers, Jake French has been really well, mm-hmm. Billy Musgrave. So there's a lot of great yep. talent and, that we've had. And Marion Kramers gives uh, gives Ryan a really good run at the USPKS. I mean, Mark, you know, USPKS has been able to bring these drivers over. I'm just mm-hmm. amazed. But you asked for three, so I'll give you three. So Lynn Haddock. Lynn Haddock, and I'm going to put Ryan Norberg in there. Okay. And Kyle Atkins. Atkins is a, is, is a great Ohio story again. And then Brandon, yeah. his son here, is racing. His, and Brandon's uh, racing, and they have the racetrack, our old racetrack. Yep. Um, Kyle Atkins was a racer's racer. Yeah. He was, you know, they asked me to speak at his memorial at the racetrack. And I said, and this was like a week after Kyle had died. And what I said was, Carding lost its Dale Earnhardt. And that was Kyle. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, and I'm not saying Kyle wasn't smooth. Was Kyle... Kyle could blow by you, and you would be off the track, and he never touched you. You were just intimidated. Mm-hmm. My favorite, st- my favorite Kyle Atkins story was at South Bend. We in the manufacturers' cup in the early days, we pee picked. You can imagine thirty carts on a track, and you pee pick, right? <laughs> and oh, invariably, yeah. whoever started on the pole, it was their first race. <laughs> it's like all oh, dad thinks they can bring them, and mom and dad, no, God, what are you doing? You're first race. But anyway, so if you've been to South Bend, you make a left-hander, then you wind through the trees up the hill. Yep. So I'm watching, and I always like to watch Kyle, and Kyle was starting mid-pack because Kyle could work his way through the pack and never touch anybody, I swear. He was that good. So he's coming up through there, and he gets up beside a guy, and as it's winding through, the guy goes straight and runs him out of racetrack, puts Kyle off, and really knocks him out. Oh, geez, you know, how's, <laughs> how's Kyle going to handle this? So I go over by the scales because I knew Kyle pretty well. We were good friends. See, I want to make sure Kyle isn't doing stupid. I didn't think he would because I never really saw him lose his temper. So he comes off the track on the trailer, and the kid that ran him off is at the scales. So I'm watching about 20 feet away, and Kyle's getting off the trailer. They're getting his cart off, and the kid comes up, and he's shaking. He's, oh, my gosh, Kyle, I'm so sorry. I I didn't know that was you. I'm so sorry. And Kyle looks at him, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to punch him. He (laughs) goes, that's okay. We'll race again. Yeah. I guarantee you the kid, <laughs> if Kyle was within three cart lengths of him, he would move over and let Kyle by. But that was Kyle Atkins. He did his talking on the racetrack. So. An intimidator. So that's essentially he was what he was. So, I mean, he didn't have to throw punches. He just had to look right. at you and give you that he, one He word. did his talking on the track. Yeah. So, so I would say in, in the past, back in the day, so to speak, Kyle and Lynn, and I'm really impressed with Ryan Norbert. Yeah. And that's the thing. Ryan does that as well, too. Doesn't doesn't push people out of the way, but works through Brandon Jarscrack does that a lot too. Yes, but I would agree. I think, I think obviously Norberg has a little bit more success overall when you look at it, but there, again, there's so many drivers, yeah. I think in our sport today, I think, I think that's kind of changed. I think the talent level is kind of has in it a little bit of an increase. Yeah. Now, mind you in the nineties, two thousands and, and, you know, a decade ago, there were the Dismores, there were the, right. the Corey Reeves and the, and the Chuck Tates and the Kevin Nelsons and all those, all those type of drivers who they were good no matter right. where they went. I, that's, I think I, I almost, the one thing I think that's different from that type of generation, the generation now and the Kyle Atkins and the, and the Lake Speeds and the Lynn Haddocks is, is those old guys used to drive anything. Yeah. And that's what we don't have today. Right, right. And, and you know, we put it out there to, to Joe Turney, who's here racing yeah. in the U.S., is would you, would you run a laydown? And, and he's looked at that heck and he no. said, heck no. And Those guys are crazy. Exactly. <laughs> but, but you even look at it now with street racing, you know, the Rock Island yeah. Grand Prix next weekend. And, and there's just not that, right. that mentality of laying it all on the line to, to – for the wild and craziness that right. is street racing. I, is it 
Do you think that's part of the, just the way kids are brought up today? Do you think that's parent being too overprotective or, you know, what, 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 I think, what would you put it on? Well, and I want to mention another driver too, uh, especially the shifters, AJ Myers. Yeah. AJ's tough. And mm-hmm. I, and I've seen him do that as much as Ryan is, is early in the race. Uh, they, they get ran off the track and their race isn't lost. They work their way back and show patience and perseverance. But I think it's so specialized now. There's so much time spent. And some of these guys run, you know, USPKS, Scusa, Stars. I mean, there's not time for a road race. There's not time to run Rock Island because they're so focused on the next high-end yeah. event. That's a lot. Um, you, you could look at the Indy 500 in Daytona. You know, Donnie Allison used to run the Indy 500. Cale Yarborough ran the Indy 500. Johnny Rutherford back in the day ran Daytona. A.J. Foyt ran A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti. That crossover isn't there anymore because they're so focused, so specialized. Sponsor-driven, car owners. We'll pay you, but don't be screwing around. That's what it surprises me with some of these NASCAR drivers that do the sprint car stuff. It's like Alex Bowman, you know. It it may have cost him a chance in the the chase because of his injury. Exactly. That's kind of the, the... give and take that right. our, our sport kind of is because you do have to, it, and no different than baseball and basketball right. and right. hockey, and you have to be specialized. There's yep. not a lot of those three sport athletes anymore. Right. So karting, you can almost have to be, I'm a sprint racer or I'm a road yeah. racer. I think but it, a, it is it, nice to see sprint racers do go road racing because they find out, oh, this is easy. And it's not, one, it's not hard on the body. And two, yeah. Um, they, they have a little bit more sense of what cart is going to be able to do, even though it's a little bit more higher speed. Right. And it's a different discipline. I don't know if yeah. it's easy, but it's a different discipline, right. you know, and, and you got to overcome the idea that, uh, how fast am I going again? Where's, where's that wall? Wait a minute. <laughs> we, yeah, we just, cause we just did a column with, um, Jonathan, uh, Acasius. Uh-huh. Uh, he did his first road race in a shifter at mid Ohio and yeah. he goes, I had to think about it multiple times. I went 115 miles yeah. an hour at the end of the straightaway. And yeah. it, you know, here I, I think maybe what 80 miles an hour, if they're even right. at that. So you're, you're looking at 35 more miles per hour. That's, that's more than school zone limit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. We pause this show for a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more here on the EKN radio network. You want the best, you just gotta roll with the best. Streeter Superstands. This is Jeff Wessel from StreeterSuperstands.com. You wouldn't put subpar parts on your racing cart, so why put that cherished ride of yours on anything but karting's number one lifts and stands, Streeter Superstands. Streeter is the original and genuine manufacturer of the second-to-none Bigfoot rolling stands, stackers, uprights, and industry-leading superlift. We also manufacture and sell the largest and always growing roster of trailer and shop accessories like tire, engine and jug racks, cabinets, spray can trays, beat breakers, and tons more to outfit any size trailer, team, and budget. Streeter Superstance has over 30 continuous years of experience. Brick cart racers just like you and know that the Streeter name represents the absolute best in stands, lifts, and accessories for karting enthusiasts worldwide. Durability, affordability, unmatched quality, and customer service, that's what sets us apart from the rest. Check us out now at StreeterSuperSands.com. Roll with the best, StreeterSuperSands.com. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the U.S., OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Toady Kart brand 
to the race-winning Cosmic and Xpree chassis, and now the new Red Speed and EOS brands, OTK quality is second to none. All five brands are winning races and championships across the country in national programs like the Rock Cup USA Florida Winter Tour and the Challenge of the Americas, the Scusa Pro Tour and Winter Series, and the Pro Kart Challenge, the United States Pro Kart Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. And OTK products are also front and center on the podium of club and regional races from coast to coast. To learn more about a specific product line, you can find the OTK USA dealer near you, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xpree, Red Speed, or EOS, visit www.otkusa.com. Specific chassis territories are still available, so kart shops interested in adding a winning component to their product lineups can contact OTK USA directly. History, success, family. Those are the three words that can describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation located just outside of Indianapolis has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, continually adding new parts to their product line. From full karting packages, new engines, spare or replacement parts, and safety gear, find it all at CometCartSales.com. Their Comet Racing Engine service has won multiple major events and championships over decades of karting and continues to offer the best trackside service in the industry, specializing in IAMI X30, IAMI Swift, and other two-cycle power plants. Make sure to head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Kart Sales family today. Thank you for listening to the EKN Radio Network. We now join the show already in progress. Back back in the day, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of back in the day stories, but back in the day, there was a series called the Formula 200. Yes. Oh, yes. We've done Be, stories on that. B-Stock. Yep. They raced at Long Beach, and we brought them to the Cleveland Grand Prix and raced yep. them. We actually ran with a, a Trans Am race at, at uh, Brainerd one time. Okay. Uh, Scott Pruitt, Jeff Nelson, Len Haddock. But I ran the formula 200 at rockingham right before the nascar race on the oval had no business being in the cart but you know come on how hard can it be it's, right it's rockingham <laughs> so I, we had trouble with the gearing and we found out we were way off on the gearing so we just went 180 degrees on the gearing i go out in my warm-up and, and my guys tell me when i come in that your warm-up was faster than you raced around all week but i'm out there racing there's about 20 carts and i'm running about eighth and i'm drafting with a guy and we're going down the back stretch, and we're running 115, 120, something like that. And it's all good. You know, they say things move slowly, and I'm right behind him. It's all good. So I start, we're entering the third turn. I start to come up to the inside of him, and he comes down on me. And my brain said, hit the brakes. So I did. Uh-huh. As soon as I hit the brakes, the back end started to kick out of me. And I got out the brakes, and I recovered. And I finished the race, and I come in. I said, I'm never going to do that again because <laughs> this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a different no, like it said, is. it's a different discipline. Yeah. You almost have it's almost like skydiving. Like people yeah. will do it, people won't. Road racing, sprint or uh, street racing, people will do it, people won't. Yep. And it, I, it's just it's it's tough trying to get people to try and do that. But I guess I guess it's I, it's their nature. It's it's in 
when you and you think about a Randy folks, I mean, I admire mm-hmm. that guy, yeah. you know, and Rick and, and, and that whole group. Uh, they just they go out there and they don't even blink. You know, there's a YouTube video of Randy and Rick out there with the twin engine running like 150 at Daytona. Right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, but to them, it's like, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. You know, it, it's it's a it's a different type of crazy. Yeah. Is the right. way I like to say that. Right. Um, so let's get back to kind of where we're at here today and, and or this, this time of year. Um, what do you think of where the sport is going right now? Um, do you, it seems like there was a big boom after COVID, you know, we had a lot of people coming out to the sport. Um, we have Briggs and Stratton, the, the grassroots level there. Do you think, do you think the sports at a good level right now in terms of both industry wise and in terms of numbers across the board? You know, that's a tough question. I, I look at the USPKS, and I was with Mark on the ground the ground floor. The first three or four yep. years I was his announcer, and it really saw it grow. And And I'm just so impressed with the team he's put together and the events he has. To me, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the high-end national series, this is as good as it gets this weekend with the USPKS. On a, on a more local um, concern, one of the things I feel like I, I really regretted with WK and I didn't do more of is focus on the, the grassroots, the clubs. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, to use the analogy of, of a tree, it grows from a root, or, you know, from a seed and a root. USPKS should grow from club racers that are doing really well and have the ability to move up. For someone to come into karting and start racing USPKS or Scusa or stars there's a really good chance they're going to burn out after about three races and never race a go-kart again those people need to be channeled to you know the 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 motorsports uh, country club of cincinnati where you walk in the front door of the country club and it's not and it is a country club atmosphere you walk in it's a go-kart shop and there's somebody there will sit down with you and talk to you about karting and get you in at the ground level Uh, ovk is a tremendous club they've been around forever they helped start the wka uh, KRA in Newcastle, you know? Yeah. I think the part that I worry about is these clubs are successful in spite of it all. I don't, you know, I'm, and I shouldn't say they're not getting help because I think industry-wide they're getting supported, they're banquets and so on. But, and, in, and there's no hidden message here, but I'm telling you there needs to be a national structure. And there was at one time, okay? An, an umbrella. An umbrella. That, the there cur- there needs to be, you know, we... We, we prided ourselves. I mean, I would spend weeks going out and just visiting tracks right. and, and introducing myself, telling them what we do. And sometimes they said, yeah, we're good. Sometimes they said, man, sign me up. Let's do it. Yep. And then we would show them some love. And that's missing right now. And, that's, and I think that's what's really needed. You know? And, and you know, they'll still be the, the really strong groups like the KRAs and the OBKs. They'll, they'll survive. But the upstarts, they need help. They need some guidance. They need, they need a... You know, a, a Mike Adams or a Gary Gregg at OVK or a Sean Bailey to sit down and say, here's what we did. And it's successful. Well, I thought about doing this. Well, you can try it, but I tried it and I failed miserably. Don't do that. They need some guidance. They need somebody that they can go to to say, we really want to get this going. What can we do to, to, to make it work? Do you think economics has a lot to do with it as well? Because for a long time, the West Coast was the leader in carding. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now we're seeing a decline down out there. Yeah. Is it is it due to the lack of 
uh, premier facilities like we have here on the eastern half of the country, or do you think it's an economics side of things? Because it's the cost of living out there is enormous compared to over here on the eastern half of the country. Uh, I'm not counting New York City or, or Miami, but you know those are there's obviously outliers with that. But just I mean, living anywhere in California is is a tough task. Um, you know, Arizona and, and is probably a little bit better, but. And then you go up the Pacific Northwest, you see regional programs and, and tracks actually having good numbers up that way. But it seems like California is a bit, a bit of a struggle. Um, do you think that's more economic side of things or do you think it does it have to do with not having that foundation of a, of a strong racetrack? Well, I think you need that. I think you need that foundation, but because there are tracks out there, it just seems like they're yeah, they're missing something. But you know, they, well, they just lost Fontana a few months right. ago. That was a that, that was, was a really, big part of it. Yeah, too. yeah. But, but I, I think when you and I see California obviously from a distance, but you know they're constantly fighting gas engines out there. Yeah. Right. I mean that alone. I mean there you could see electric go kart racing out there one day. So, probably. Well, I mean you see it now already at the K one circuit. There, that's all yeah. they have right now, and that's all they've led on so, the racetrack. So that's probably part of the problem so more is a little more political side of things i think so okay. the carding as we know it is a hard sell out there because there's True. so many obstacles yeah. we're out here we're still yeah let's go racing yeah. you know here's your fuel can here's you know whatever and let's go out there it's like well what county you in again you know yeah uh, and i think that's that's probably the biggest part of it you, you know you still have rlv has been a staple for the sport they're still out there and going strong mm -hmm. uh, so there's there's industry support out there and I think, I want to say Santa Maria is still going out there, I believe. Santa Maria is still going. There's Button Willow, Willow Springs. They still okay. There's still all the yeah. racetracks out there. Adams, Aside I think, from, is still going. Adams is still going. Yeah. We just had the California Pro Kart Challenge there last weekend. So, yeah. But it just, it, like you said, it just seems like there's, to me, it just seems like there's, there's not a lot of people in California wanting to go racing. Yeah. And I think that's more of an economic side of things because, I mean, let's face it, karting today is, is a lot more expensive than what it used to be at least nationally, but maybe local stuff is a little bit similar, but still you're putting new tires on, you're, you're buying new chains. So I think it's a little bit more expensive, but you still have to have that, that budget of, of monetary money to Absolutely. be able to spend for it. And I think that's kind of the, the, more, the biggest problem we have in California right now, because again, like we said, we have the tracks. It's just, as I was wondering about your view take on that, because you still have to have that foundation, and I and and there's tracks there. That I just don't know if they don't have but, the right, maybe not even the right people running it. You know, that or, or getting I, people involved. But as you said, the cost of living out there is insane. I have yeah. I have a, a stepson that lives in San Diego, and I just look at and they've got a nice little condo, but it's like I don't know, two thousand dollars a month or something, right? You oh. could, and in, in in relative to the to the median income out there, it's just it's out of balance versus mm -hmm. what we have out here. So when you do the math, it's like, yeah, who can afford to go go-kart racing when you're trying to just survive? So that has to have something to do with it, I would think. So let, now we talk past, present, let's talk a little bit about the future. What, what do you think are kind of key elements with our sport that you think we need to address or is gonna something, some, maybe something that's gonna happen or change within the sport that we should be aware of? Is, do you think there's, because you've seen kind of almost all of it. You've, we've gone from, paper scoring <laughs> to electronic scoring you know it's it, you've you've spanned a lot of different things throughout yeah, the sport i think back you know the dick wilson's and the george cougars if they could just come to one race they would go <laughs> what just happened right <laughs> uh where you know where's the 
Daytona, they used to run 30 carts on the quarter mile dirt track at Daytona and hand score it yes. and get it right. Get it right. And, and I, I finally discovered that it, they really didn't get it right. It's just who could argue, <laughs> right? Because, well, I guess that's what it was. Um, I think, you know, social media, e-carting news, cart chaser, to, you know, it's growth, in order to grow, you have to maintain. And so you've got to continue to get the word out and you've got to hit the right spots to, uh, to get new carters. And I, I, I think sometimes we miss telling the area, mm -hmm. hey, we're, we've got a big race coming to town. You should go out and watch. It's an example. I, I, I should have gotten with Sean before this weekend and said, hey, have you contacted any local news outlets? Because we're right outside Cincinnati and it's a big metro area. I mean, it has the Bengals, it has the Cincinnati Reds, and they love sports. And there's a college team, like, what, an hour and a half north of here. Okay. Um, how, 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 never Ohio heard State? Is it Miami of Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> well, and... But, but that, that, I, yeah. I think that's one of the struggles we have in our sport is, is <clears throat> the racetracks themselves don't booster what they do enough to it's, the local media. There's so much work having True. this race this the, weekend yes. that you kind of take promotion publicity and you don't even think about it pr and you set it aside because i got to get the parking set up mm -hmm. and and sean's done a tremendous job and, it's amazing and you, yeah no right i'm not we're, yeah, so, we're not picking on sean we're talking about the car whole sport the, as a whole yeah. so in the back of my mind has always been when you have a, a high-end race like this if you could just get a local charity whether it's Military driven, you know, Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts or something for the, for the fallen victims of, of uh, veterans or anything yes. where you can come in and, and get ahead of it. Come in and say, you know what? We're going to donate X amount of dollars per entry or X amount of dollars or 50 cents a pit pass, yeah. whatever it is to your foundation. But we want you to tell the world we're coming to town mm -hmm. and do that enough ahead of time. And then you've got. A friend at the factory so to speak you got someone in the area saying no these guys are pretty cool they're supporting us we're going to be a part of this event you should come out and see it because one it means so much more when you've got people out here watching so you're not just watching each other but there's actual race fans out here watching spectators us. that's spectators like people who have right. either never seen karting or right. no racing but they've never been exactly and then you've got the pro shop open downstairs with Sean and his team down there, and the people are walking in. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you want to know about karting? Here's a little brochure. Why don't you come by Tuesday, and we'll talk about it. Three o'clock, good for you. And next thing you know, they've got a new carter. That's what's missing, and I and we we were guilty of it when we had a manufacturers cup. In the back of my mind, oh, we should tell the local news. We should do this. We should do that. We were so caught up in having the event. Well, so you've had a world championship as well, 1986 mm -hmm. yep. Jacksonville. Was media a thought in yeah, that? It, yeah, it was. Okay. So, so do you think maybe because it was at a different level, or mm -hmm. do you think because FIA was when or CIA and, and was involved? I, well, in anytime you can throw the world the words "world championship" around, it drew okay. attention. Um, but sadly, there was a dispute at that race, uh, yeah, and yeah. so, well, that's so a media whole came podcast. in and saw that. Yeah, that's but, a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah. We we used to get the local TV station down in Charlotte, but it was. It wasn't the best venue to bring spectators in. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when you have something that's open Monday through Friday, like here, 
at <laughs> at Cincinnati. Yeah, or Newcastle. You know, you have the or whole build, building with restaurant and grandstands right. to sit right there. You don't right. even have to be near the paddock, so right. there's no you don't have to buy a pit pass. Right. And, so you you get them in. They make contact with Mike or somebody in his shop. You know what? Come come by next Tuesday and we'll get you a ride in a cart. Mm-hmm. And they get the bug, and next thing you know, they're buying a used chassis and a 206, and they're out racing a KRA the next week. Yeah. That's what's needed. And it doesn't exist now. And I don't, it's not a complaint to the promoters because they're so busy making this happen. Yeah. Because this is 10 pounds in a five pound bag every time you have one. Every time. Because there's so much going on, and they do it. Mm-hmm. But sadly promotion local non-carding promotion is set aside to make sure everything else comes into place and and that's where i think an umbrella would help that because if you have somebody looking out after that like saying hey have you guys done this have you done that almost like a checklist of hosting a premier carding event hey you need to do this you need to do that things need to be checked off before this event's going to even happen right and i i I do that i have some ideas and we can talk off off air on that but uh we pause this show for a quick commercial break stay tuned for more here on the ekn radio network there's a new hot button name in american safety equipment stilo usa Every product with Stilo is focused on safety, comfort, and function. Stilo USA is happy to provide you with the proper safety apparel to keep you protected on the track, and their carding lineup is second to none. The ST5 KRT carding helmet is available for $599. Manufactured using a lightweight and extremely strong composite material, the KRT provides an excellent fit and comfort level due to its dual density interior foam lining and it's equipped with a symmetrical visor that offers excellent vision and an effortless central visor locking system. The ST5 CMR standard was developed jointly by the FIA Institute and Snell Memorial Foundation to ensure safer and lighter weight helmets for the younger carters. Drivers rave about the superior comfort levels, lightweight construction, and the unparalleled field of vision. The perfect youth helmet is available for $549. Stilo didn't stop with their helmets either. The newly developed Carbon Curva Rib Protector is unlike any on the market with its form-fitting solution to offer superior protection. Head to StiloHelmets.com to review these and many more products to keep you safe on the track. Stilo, any competition, one helmet. Are you ready to go from carts to cars? Since 1975, the Skip Barber Racing School has taken great drivers and made them champions. Today, we're proud to welcome the next generation of winners. Make the transition from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Formula Race Series. You'll compete at the most iconic tracks in America. Race weekends include your very own equalized Formula 4 race car, a professional crew, expert instruction, video and data analysis, hospitality, and more. This is the place to fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. Sign up today by calling 866-932-1949 or visit us at skipbarber.com. Winning takes top quality equipment, flawless preparation, experienced coaching, and passion. And at Team GFC, we live our passion. 
Developed by American karting champion Gary Carlton, the GFC chassis has become one of the newest brands to reach the top of the podium in North America. GFC has garnered victories and championships at all levels of the sport since its debut at the end of 2018. Shipyard drivers are at the front of the field in the GT14 frame, with the SS31 a consistent contender in tag and 100cc competition. Team GFC has arrive and drive packages available for all categories, including the mini and micro classes utilizing the GFC RR5 cadet chassis. These young pilots have the opportunity to be part of the Team GFC Young Driver Development Program. Learn from one of the best American carters with 28 years racing at the highest levels of the sport, offering personalized training on and off the track. Follow GFC Karting on Facebook and Instagram or click over to gfccarting.com to learn more about joining Team GFC. GFC, live your passion. Thank you for listening to the EKN Radio Network. We now join the show already in progress. Is there is there anything else well, since I talked about the world championship, what what is probably your favorite? And it doesn't have to be just as a WK president or trustee. It could just be about the sport as a whole. What do you think? Or even when you were racing yourself, what do you think is the one favorite memory that you've had over these decades? I mean, oh wow! I mean, I know I have a couple in mind that I that I think of all the time. Like, but you've you've spanned a number of decades. Not saying you're really old, but. <laughs> But I'm getting there. You're getting there. I'm older than you. Exactly. You are older than me. And, and there's, and again, the world championship. Like I would have loved to have been there in 1986 or even the ones in Charlotte in the 90s. Like Rob tells me all about those yeah. or the Briggs 300 doing the oval races there or even Daytona when, you know, you had 1,500 entries down there for the dirt stuff. Like, but there's got to be that one thing that is just, you know, if you, if you could take it to, to, to the afterlife and, and that would be the one memory that you have. Uh, what would it be? <laughs> Boy, that that's really hard. It's, it's a heavy question. I yeah. Know um, well, you, did I mention I won Barnesville in 1969? Yes. And, and, and from a racing memory, that's it, man. That's I won it. Barnesville, and I was third at the Nationals at Camden. But as as the president of WKA, the relationships we had with Daytona and Charlotte were second mm-hmm. to none. Mm-hmm. Uh, two. 2,000 plus entries at the stadium. We we had one year we had over 4,000 entries between the sprint race, the road race, and the mm-hmm. stadium. The North American Karting Championships, actually for a couple of years we had the Briggs and Stratton 300 on the quarter mile oval, right. the sprint race, which was some American classes in the, ne- in the, ne- the uh, world championship yep. classes, the dirt track was running races, and we had a road race. So we had four events going on all at the same time my team. And honestly, I didn't do anything but walk around to make sure no everybody <laughs> shook hands, shook hands, hey, you're doing a good yep. job and kept going yeah. because everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. So I was so proud because and that's I'm not saying I was a so great all, leader, but, but well, putting a team together, putting and, a team together. And the te- so almost the memories of working with all those, in, especially Marie is one of them. Oh, I know God, yeah. I don't want to, you know, but Marie was, you know, you have anchors sissy for a long time as well, too. And, yeah. And I, and I tried, um, I tried to tell my staff cause the, cause you know, they would work for me, but there would be so many people working under them at these events. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in the limelight to consider yourself a success. Mm-hmm. When you build a team and that team is successful, you're successful. 
So it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I will tell you that, you know, we, we were 10,000 plus a membership at one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took so much pride in that. And, you know, things got sideways towards the end with tire rules and a lot of things. And, and it was time for me to leave because it wasn't good for WK for me to be there. But I will tell you that in its, in its prime when I was there, um, that was my proudest moment. Well, yeah. we could hold events like that, and my team came through every time. What do, you, what do you think was one of the biggest hurdles hosting an event like that? Just, lo- log- just logistics. Logistics. Trash. Um, <laughs> I will tell you that anybody that says you can overcome the language barrier, unless you're like <laughs> trilingual, that's a lie. That's true. So the biggest yeah. challenge when, when we had the North Rand Karting Championships is to make sure someone was there to understand what they wanted mm-hmm. and what, what I should say what they needed and that we delivered. And there was also some ill feelings about well, you know, are we, are we catering more to the international than we are to the American? And I would always say, you know what? Honestly, the biggest event of the weekend is the Briggs and Stratton 300, and that's all American. Yeah. And a lot of the Europeans, the teams, and the drivers would come over and watch the Briggs and Stratton 300, the front mm-hmm. stretch grandstands. We would have a couple thousand people. Yeah. You know, and and it gave a chance for the for the oval racers in the south and a lot of them in the north to come in and really shine in front of a big crowd. So. All that stuff was so cool. It was a lot of work, but it was cool. Yeah, and, and I noticed that today because a lot of the mechanics here, international speaking, a lot of different languages here, I think that's maybe one step that USPKS could do is almost have a translator or somebody who's able to speak Portuguese, Spanish, yeah. because Rick Jump, God love him, but you know, if, 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 you're not, if, if you don't love NASCAR, it's very hard to understand him sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey Rick, this is David talking. Just so you know, I didn't say that, buddy. Yeah. No, I, no, you're exactly right. But it, it seems like that because uh, because again, we have a lot of international people here in the you know yeah. people from all different countries or or who have immigrated here yeah. and are in the sport as well too. So a lot of the teams you look at Rollison, like they they have somebody who could, or they have the ability to speak four different languages <laughs> because of the people they have under their yeah, tent. Right. So you, you say, okay, I have a Portuguese translator, I have a Spanish translator, I have a French translator, and, and you're good to go. It, you you want to make your customers feel comfortable, and mm-hmm. if you can have someone translate, they feel like they at least have someone they can communicate with. Mm-hmm. And when you're using hand signs and nodding <laughs> and smiling, you're not really communicating. It's, you're trying. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's tough. So yeah. we'll, we'll note that on something that Mark can add to, <laughs> yeah, to the right. program. Translators, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've talked for about 40 minutes. Um, I think we've covered past, present, a little bit of the future and what we, what we think we need to see or what you'd like to see happen. Um, I guess I guess that's it, Randy. I mean, I, I don't think it was too bad of an interview. Not at all. I, <laughs> I love talking about this stuff, Dave. And I've always, I don't know if you remember when we first met, but it was on a stage yes. at Windsor, you and your dad, it was a stars of karting race. Mm-hmm. Graham Rahal was racing the shifter carts. Yeah. And I started talking to you and your dad, and that's the first time I met yeah. you. And that had to be back in the late it 90s. Was, no, tw- 2003, actually. Oh, it was a 2003, was yeah, it? 2003? Know, it seems like forever, but yeah. it's, only, well, it's only been 20 been years. years. It's yeah. been 20 years. And because yeah. I still have the Bobby Rahal photo, because again, he's my yeah. favorite IndyCar driver. So yeah. I remember my dad brought his film camera yep. and he got, got a picture with Bobby. And, and I remember, I think Graham actually went in the hay bales. He and, did. And tore and, it up. And Bobby there with the stars, of karting program was actually tossing hay bales. He and was helping the track staff. on the track. Yep. We, not just Graham's car, but pulling carts nope. out on the track, yep. screaming at the officials, <laughs> let these kids race. Let's get back out there. Yeah. He was, he, he, there was a time when he was all in with that, with karting 
And and that's of course part of it was getting Graham through the ranks. But when he was there, he was there. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I can't believe it's been 20 years. It I know, right? Seems like it's so far along, but yeah. Uh, again, thank you, Randy, for joining us. Uh, always great to talk to you. And, That's always and, a pleasure, David. Yeah, we have great conversations, and and we'll enjoy each other's texts throughout the season. Yes, we as, will. As Go Blue tries to uh, go for a third straight against Ohio that State. That team up north. That team up north. <laughs> All right, Go Blue. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, David.